Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Colorado Rugby. My name is Henry Chisholm, and we have a whole lot of football to talk about today. Um, there's some transfers out, a transfer in, a coach who's out, and um, at some point here, there's going to be at least three new coaches who are going to be joining this coaching staff, uh, but we still don't know who they are or really how close the buffs are to finding those coaches. Um, again, just kind of like a whole bunch of news again, just personnel-wise. And I have a lot of thoughts about all of it, and that's how we're going to be spending today. But first, a little bit more about what's going on with Colorado rugby. So, you guys might remember the Colorado Raptors, the professional rugby team that played in Glendale, practiced in Glendale, um, which is... I'm not sure, actually, we should clarify this, because I'm not sure if this is common knowledge, like, where Glendale is. It is, like, basically in Cherry Creek. That might be something that people who have been here for a while just, like, know. To me, that was something that I had to learn when we first started partnering with the Colorado Raptors. Um, But, yeah, so just down the road from here is where all that was going on. But then they kind of shifted things. And now that is the home of the USA Eagles 15s teams both the men and the women and that's just like what rugby is the 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 u.s national teams are doing all their training here and they're adding a bit of a twist and that twist is they're starting to bring in athletes from a whole bunch of different sports um a lot of guys from you know the the cfl um a lot of guys who play college football maybe got like a training camp invite but didn't stick a whole bunch of people who are athletes who want to continue to be athletes, but who, for whatever reason, are interested in switching over to rugby. And what they're doing is trying to take those athletes, who a lot of times are much better athletes than the people who grow up playing rugby in the United States, and they think that they can kind of fast-track them, teach them what the game is and how to play it, and get them up to speed quickly, and add a pretty big boost to the U.S. national teams. And all of that, again, is happening just right down the road um, at Infinity Park in Glendale. Um, So much cool stuff going on. You can follow along with Colton Strickler, um, who's DNVR's rugby reporter. Um, He has a weekly podcast, DNVR Rugby. Um, There's there's stuff on the website. So pay attention to that. Um, Subscribe to the podcast. And again, just pay attention because there's a lot of fun stuff happening with rugby in the United States, but specifically in Colorado. Okay, so the news. Um, 
let's start with Taylor Embry. Um, Taylor Embry was the Buffs' tight ends coach. He's 31. He, you know, I, I think did a very good job as the Buffs' tight ends coach, although it is kind of tough when you look at the results to say things went well or things didn't go well just because of how things went with the tight ends this season. Well, this morning we learned that he is taking a job with the New York Jets. He's going to be the Jets' new running backs coach, which means the Buffs are now missing a tight ends coach. And we're just going to dig in. Um, And to me, this is a huge loss. I've been pretty vocal about how I feel about Taylor Embry, which is that he's a good young coach who comes from a good background. He has the pedigree. He has the connections. um, And he's at 31, you know, in a very good spot career-wise and in a position that would make you think that he is on maybe not the fast track to being an NFL head coach or something, but he is seen as one of the good young coaches in football. Um, so it sucks to see him go. Um, and, and it is a hit for Colorado's tight ends. Um, at the same time, though, I do think it's important to remember that he was here to use Colorado as a stepping stone and not in like a bad way. I think that there's there's definitely like a negative connotation with using Colorado as a stepping stone, but that fits more with like the head coach stuff. You know, like when Carl Durrell says, you know what, I can get a bigger job, a better job, whatever he was thinking when he left for Michigan State. Yeah. You don't want head coaches who see you as a stepping stone. When you're Colorado, you want somebody who's trying to build the program up and turn it into a national contender. That's Carl Durrell's job. His job is to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And to make that happen, you need good coaches. And so as you hire those coaches, you do so knowing that they are going to have opportunities down the road. Um, and what you're trying to do is each and every year build the best coaching staff, and you want consistency for sure and not too much turnover, but more than anything, you want good coaches in there because the more good coaches that come through those doors, the more good coaches go out those doors, and other good coaches say, you know what, this is somewhere that is a very good stepping stone because when you're somebody who's in Taylor Embry's position, I'm not sure how many options he had last year to be a Division One or Power Five position coach, but it definitely didn't hurt Carl Durrell's case to land him that Carl is so well-connected in the coaching community, having been around for so long. Um, and, and for that reason, there should be a bit of like a coaching farm as you know, we've talked about on this podcast before at Colorado, just because of all the connections. You know, the connection to Embry was obviously Taylor Embry grew up in Boulder. His father, John Embry, was a coach at CU. Um, and so there was that sort of connection to the school. But to the coaching staff, the connection was well, Taylor Embry was with the 49ers, and the 49ers are run by Kyle Shanahan, the head coach. Kyle Shanahan's first job was at a graduate assist as as a graduate assistant at UCLA in 2003. Well, Carl Durrell was the head coach at UCLA in 2003. He gave Kyle Shanahan his first job, and I'm sure that there is some sort of relationship that has been sustained throughout 
the last 17 years or whatever it's been. And because Carl Durrell, I mean, it's not like Kyle Shanahan's the only connection. You know, you can go through and find connections to all sorts of different really good West Coast coaches. Um, and when you're just kind of a part of that group, and it seems like the West Coast group more than other groups, there is a lot of communication and, and bouncing guys around. And and I'm, I'm confident that Kyle Shanahan played a pretty big role in facilitating things between the Buffs and Embry. Um, and... Again, it really does suck to see Taylor Embry leave, and we're going to talk about what that means for the Buffs' tight ends, but it isn't a huge surprise, and there are definitely some silver linings. Things like, you know, whoever the next Taylor Embry is says, well, Taylor Embry did this, and look where it got him, a position coaching job in the NFL. This is a good option, and... I think that as important as it is to have consistency and all those other things, it's also important to have coaches that have opportunities to have better jobs, you know, coaches who are too good for the job that they're in. In the same way that like, you know, in professional sports, there's the salary cap and really to win in professional sports, what you're trying to do is get players who perform better than they're paid because there's a limit on how much money you can give out. And so on every contract you're saying, can we exceed this dollar amount with the talent and production that this guy pro- provides. And when you're looking at this from like a coaching perspective, you're looking for people who are undervalued, people who, you know, maybe they're they're good enough to be a head coach, but you have them as a, he- as a coordinator. They're good enough to be a coordinator, but you have them as a position coach. Um, they're good enough to be a position coach, but you have them as a grad assistant or something like that. That's what you're looking for is that extra plus value where you have somebody who is going to bring more positives than you should be getting out of that role. And that's kind of what was happening. You know, Um, Taylor Embry gets to move on to an NFL job. That means that he's an NFL caliber assistant coach and the Buffs were lucky to have him for a year. If you are the NFL caliber assistant coach, but you aren't getting NFL opportunities, why not go prove it at Colorado? You know, that's kind of the pitch. And so far, Carl Durrell has moved one of those guys on in one year. And that is a feather in his cap. And so I do think that while losing t- Taylor Embry sucks, and again, we're about to talk all about what that means for the tight ends, that silver lining is an important one. And it also goes to show that Carl Durrell made a good hire because the guy's getting even bigger and better opportunities, likely with a lot more money on the line um, just one year later. And again, the, the, the key is doing this consistently, finding more good young coaches, finding good coaches of any age who just need a chance to prove himself and we'll see how that goes. Um, but those are kind of my first thoughts. Um, in terms of what it means for the Buffs tight ends, a very good question. Um, I think that the most important detail is that all of the players have raved about him. All of the tight ends have said that when he's on the board, it's unlike anything any of the other coaches have showed them, not at Colorado, but like in their career. And, and it's been overwhelming, yeah, overwhelming positivity um, about Taylor Embry every time we've talked about him with the tight ends. Um, and I think that that means that you're probably losing a, a good coach. Um, at the same time, though, the tight ends didn't produce this year. Outside of Brady Russell in the first game, they had five catches for 21 yards and I think at least three drops. Um that's not good. 
now you do have to like remember the the circumstances. Brady Russell was supposed to be the guy. This was supposed to be the breakout year. In the first game, he has five catches for 77 yards, and then he gets hurt. And uh, there are two other important tight ends who are hurt. There's some talent in the room for sure, but for the most part, the talent is consolidated with the underclassmen, specifically just a couple of freshmen like Caleb Foria with Louis Passarello. And you're just stuck without a whole lot of options. You know, Matt Lynch was the number two tight end coming into the year. And he was the starter for the majority of the year. He missed a couple of games too. He was the starter because Brady Russell was out. And I think he had five catches maybe for 21 yards, 14 yards. I'm Now I'm getting those numbers confused. But you didn't likely maximize what you had in Matt Lynch. And he did provide as a blocker. And you look at the other guys who got in, C.J. Schmansky, um, Nico Magri, you know, it's not all about what shows up in the box score, but not much showed up in the box score. And I think that, you know, if you're looking for a silver lining to go with Taylor Embry leaving, you know, I, I, you're not going to convince me, I guess, that he didn't do a good job, um, specifically because everybody said that about him and because we got to see what Brady Russell did, um, having the most productive game for any Buffs tight end in years in his first game. And if he had kept playing, I do think that maybe he wouldn't be going for 77 every game, but I think that 50 a game was definitely doable for him. And I still think it's doable next year. Although who the buffs bring in to be the next tight ends coach, that will be important to how Brady Russell performs. Like, and that shouldn't even need to be said. Um, So yeah, I think that that kind of sums up, my thoughts there on the tight ends on Taylor Embry. Um, and I guess before we move on, I should say there's still a couple of open jobs. Um, we thought that maybe over the weekend that there would be a announcement about who the new strength coach is, especially because all of the off season programs are kind of getting underway with classes going now. Um, and you would really like to have a strength and conditioning coach running all those. That didn't happen. I'm not sure why. Who knows? Maybe as soon as I turn this off, it's going to get announced. Um, maybe we're still weeks away because there was a hiccup. Nobody knows, but we do know that late last week, Carl Durrell said that he wouldn't be surprised if the deal is done in the next few days. We're still, I mean, we're not a few days. We're like four or five days now, um, but it was, a, it was a holiday weekend, so maybe that was the holdup. Um, that seems to be what's going to come next. Um defensively you have your defensive coordinator job open still you have your inside linebackers job open still now Tyson Summers filled both of those last year um the new defensive coordinator I would guess will probably fill both of those unless it's an in-house hire um if it's an in-house hire you'd have to anticipate that it would be Chris Wilson um and in that case he'd probably stick with the defensive line he'd definitely stick with the defensive line and then you would hire an inside linebackers coach separately from your defensive coordinator um you know if you have somebody who's just like a great position coach you know whether it's the corners the outside linebackers or the safeties or the defensive ends whatever maybe you do let him coach whatever he's best at, but it probably just depends on the circumstance. And then maybe you shuffle other people around. Maybe you um, fire another 
coach and hire another. I, I, there's still room for some fluctuations. Um, and then offensively, you're now missing your tight ends coach. Um, that's the only hole there. So still some stuff to get sorted out. Um, and hopefully, hopefully the buffs hire people who, I guess most importantly are good at their job, but also are just like really exciting. Wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. Um, but yeah, that's what you should be staying tuned to over the next few days as I assume we'll be getting at least an update. If not one of the positions being filled, um, before we get into some changes at linebacker, um, including Akil Jones transferring out. But first, gotta give a shout out to a couple of our friends. First of all, Breckenridge Brewery, because they have something awesome going on. Like, obviously, they have like the ice skating and like all that kind of stuff we told you about. You can uh, come down to the DMVR bar and try a whole bunch of their beers, whether it's the Strawberry Sky, the Avalanche, any of those. But also, they have an awesome giveaway right now. So what happened was Breckenridge Brewery teamed up with the Colorado Avalanche to deliver beer via Zamboni before the Avs games in the last week of January. Um, so basically, um, all you have to do is, if you live in Denver, head to breckbrew.com slash Zamboni Delivery Sweepstakes, or you can just go to breckbrew.com and then click on the Zamboni link, and then you just sign up. That's it. Uh, must be 21 to enter. You have to live in Denver, and the winners will be picked via a lottery. The last day to enter is January 28th, so that means that you have nine days still to get entered for this awesome giveaway, so get in while getting's good. And again, five deliveries are going to happen on January 30th, and then five more are going to happen on January 31st. It's going to be awesome. They're going to be driving off beer with Zambonis, and I don't know how you could pass up on that. Also, uh, MSU Denver Online, now is the time to sign up because classes start today. Um, if you haven't sent in your application yet, they're actually still waiving the application fee. Um, if you use the code DNVR Sports, you can apply for free, figure out uh, what you want to get done, whether it's going in a degree, um, whether it's getting a degree in something that you already like know about, you know, going back and getting like a master's or something like that, or whether you're just getting a, a bachelor's degree or any of those sorts of things, MSU Denver is just an awesome option because it's located in Denver. It doesn't really matter though, since it's online, but if you are in Denver, it means that most professors are working in Denver. Um, and that can be very valuable when it comes time to find a job and you want to have connections. Um, again, if you use the code DMVR sports, you do not play, pay an application fee. Um, classes start today, January 19th. So get in, um, because it's, it's a great school. Okay. So, um, a couple of changes at linebacker. Um, I remember, we heard from Carl Durrell last week that they are hoping to have Nate Landman for the start of the year. Um, he said it's a seven to nine month recovery, and that would mean that he's probably going to be ready to go sometime early in camp, and that is very exciting for the Buffs, and that means that there's only one other inside linebacker job that's up for grabs. It would have been Akil Jones, but Akil Jones is transferring. He's, he's entering the transfer portal. Carl Durrell kind of tipped that that was going to happen in the press conference last week. Um, 
wish him the best. You know, he just had his daughter, I think, um, in the last couple of months. Um, and the daughter lives in New Jersey. Wouldn't be surprised if Akil wants to go closer to home um, as he kind of starts a new phase of life. That does open a starting job, though. And there, there are some in-house options. You know, John Van Deest, we've seen quite a bit of. Um, we've seen quite a bit of, you know, honestly, Quinn Perry at this point. He's he's gotten in in a few games and played significant snaps. And Marvin Ham, another one. Um, and, and there are some young guys, too. Um, we'll talk more about all the options. But there is one new option, and that is Robert Barnes. And... There's a lot to like about Robert Barnes. And I think what you have to like the most is just the fit next to Nate Landman that should give him a leg up. So um, here's the full story. Let's just start at the beginning. Robert Barnes was a safety in high school, a very good safety in high school. I think the 24-7 sports composite rankings, the ones that pull from their own rankings, the rivals rankings, the ESPN rankings, they combined to have him as a top 100 prospect in the country and the number 12 safety in the country. In 24-7 Sports' rankings, he was a five-star recruit. Um, they were higher on him than the other recruiting services. And, you know, former five-stars could be pretty exciting. Um, things didn't go perfectly for Robert when he got to Oklahoma, though. Um, didn't play much his freshman year. He started at safety his sophomore year. Um, his junior year, he really didn't play all that much. I think he got in on f in four games, and so that counted as a redshirt year. Came back in 2020 as a redshirt junior, but he changed positions. He was no longer a safety. He packed on some weight, uh, got up to 232 pounds is what he's listed at now, and played linebacker. That is the kind of player that I think – a lot of defensive coaches are looking for right now. Um, you know, Troy Dye from Oregon, who now... Actually, I can't even remember where he wound up. He's now in the NFL, but Troy Dye, who was the linebacker for Oregon, did the same thing. Switched from safety to linebacker, and it meant that he was a really good cover linebacker. Good cover linebackers are tough to find. Um, they don't grow on trees, and that's... I mean, that's one of the issues the Buffs had, especially late without Nate. Things got even worse without him. But the ability to cover tight ends, cover running backs out of the backfield, especially in the Pac-12, is just so valuable. And the Buffs have one more guy who should be, at least in the running, to be that guy. Um, this year, as a linebacker, a redshirt junior, again, he'll be... That, that means he's a redshirt junior again next year, and then and then he'll be a senior the year after. Um, he is a grad transfer, by the way. That means that he will be eligible to play this season. Um, this year he really didn't play all that much, but you can kind of like talk yourself into when he played. So Barnes primarily played special teams this year. Um, Played special teams in every game. Um, but he did play some defense. So in week two, he played six snaps on defense. In week 14, late in the year, he played 35 snaps. 
And then he played like I, I think seven in the conference championship. Um, and then in the bowl game, he played 14. So by the end of the year, he was being used as a rotational piece at linebacker, and he actually moved around. Um, he did play a couple of snaps. It was a pretty even split between playing in the box, um, playing in the slot, and playing free safety. Um, so it wasn't like he was just a strict linebacker this year. Um, and that does mean that there's quite a bit of versatility there. You know, the buffs after losing Darian Rakestraw do have a hole to fill in the secondary. Um, that hole could be filled by Nigel Bethel, by KJ Trujillo. You know, there's a lot of names that we've been hearing for a while of guys who probably need to be seeing the field at some point. Um, but another option is Robert Barnes, you know, especially if you want to put him at the star, if you want to put him at strong safety, you could probably do either of those on top of being a good option, at linebacker. Um, last year, both um, Nate and Akil played the money position, which is like the dime linebacker job. But I do think that this is another guy who's a candidate to take that job this year. It, it is just one more piece in that back seven that you can really fit in where you need to, um, and assuming things go well, assuming he does kind of live up to the hype. Um, definitely good to have another option there, especially with Akil transferring out. Um, and yeah, we'll stay tuned to that position and see what happens. I think that that's all I've got for today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, um, of course, back Thursday. Maybe not Friday. Uh, one of these days is going to be off because we do have the post-game show on Saturday. Um, but stay tuned. I'll be around, and I'll see you tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we station, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey, hey. And you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.
revival. Get them thugs, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bust with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.